Hi everyone, welcome back to my Teach English in China podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time,、uh, this is a podcast about everything that you need to know if you want to work、uh, as a English teacher in China. And、uh, for those who have been here but are running into some issues or questions or concerns in every facet of your life and work here. And this episode is part two of the topic that was covered in the previous episode, which is what you will be expected to teach at higher education institutions.、Uh, last episode, part one, we covered、uh, undergraduate English major students, and this episode,、uh, this part two, will cover. Non English majors,、uh, undergraduate that is, and、uh, students that are studying in so-called、uh, international programs. All right, this episode will continue my discussion with August,、uh, who is an American teacher who has been here for、uh, nearly a decade. All right, enjoy. So the next group of students that we're、um, going to talk about are so-called non-English majors,、um, and and these universities and colleges that they deem deem it necessary for these majors to have uh, to have a pretty good English level. So for instance, generally they are like international trade or international marketing or hospitality, etc.、Um, They. Again, I mean, they they usually have the foreign teachers、uh, work on the spoken or oral English for students.、Um, so, in your experience,、um, do schools choose a textbook textbook for you、uh, to teach as well? Yes, they'll always have either a recommendation or a requirement for a textbook, and for these students,、um, typically, it will be a business English textbook or something relating to their major. And in this situation, I find it's even worse than、mm-hmm. for the English majors because. The proficiency level of the non-English majors, as one might expect, is generally much lower、mm. than most of the English majors. But the textbooks, being of a a, a specialized uh, set of English uh, skills, is usually usually requires a higher level. It's if. Someone is to understand business English or hospitality English or tourism English or something like that. I think it's with the understanding that、uh, the learners have already achieved a、uh, a certain level of、uh, communicative competence、mm-hmm. with English, and now they're ready for specialization.、Mm-hmm. So there's this、uh, wide gap between the Uh, more difficult level of the textbook and the、um, 
lower general level of the the students among the non-English majors. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I find too that a lot of these textbooks that are used by these schools for these non-English majors, they're basically just like a dictionary um, with, say, a whole list of uh, uh, vocabulary on about accounting and, and, and with Chinese definitions or, or explanations, and which I, I think it's, it's definitely, it's totally not conducive to any classroom activities. And you might as well just, you can just give these textbooks to the students to memorize on, on their own. So um, I, I think, as you say, the students, they, if they're not at that level yet that they can communicate um, for general purposes, they they are not ready to learn any uh, field specific English, nor should they need to, right? Yes, and if the the school for curricular purposes or some other is insistent upon them learning that uh, specific specialized English, I find that it's better that it's taught by a Chinese mm. uh, teacher because then it would be taught in the typical way that English is taught mm. in China, which is the majority of the time using Chinese to talk about English and inserting a random English word here mm. or there. In that way, some of the students may be able to keep up with the book if there is some Chinese mm. um, in the textbook. I'm not saying that that's the, by far uh, the optimal way to, uh, to teach English, but uh, practically speaking, if that's what the school insists on, uh, usually that's better done by a, uh, a Chinese-speaking English teacher who it would be Chinese. So um, my feeling about, if given the choice, what to do with students like this is to basically just try to work on their fundamental skills. Mm. Uh, perhaps using a, a general English textbook um, that's even of a lower level than the English majors because with mm. a few notable exceptions, generally these students' uh, English level is uh, significantly lower than the English majors. Yeah, they, I think it's because when, when, the, when these uh, high school graduates, when they apply for, for colleges and all that, English majors typically those programs require a higher score for their uh, exam, the high school uh, graduation exam. Uh, so so yeah, that's why when these non-English majors when they come to the program, their English level is generally a little bit lower than English majors. So yeah, I agree. So perhaps like for, for instance, a first year. Non-English majors, maybe you could, if you use if you use the new interchange, book series, maybe you could use the, book one, or it could use intro actually. Yeah, it depends. Mm. Um, book one, intro, book two. Um, yeah, it really depends. It's hard to know. Unfortunately, it's hard to know until you've taught at that particular school mm. and had an, uh, 
a few classes of those students and in that situation usually it's too late to go back and choose something mm. different until the next academic year. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so, you know, what we would uh, suggest is that schools just offer these uh, students these English classes and we, we, with using these uh, textbooks for general purposes and by the end of their study, towards the end of their study, you know, before they go in, they're going to their internships or, or going to work, they can spend a month or so to to learn some vocabulary that's uh, specific to the field of work, then um, they should, I think they should be okay. Just like for, for me personally, when, you know, the, the two fields that I'm, uh, that I have experienced in, uh, when I was working in the US are hospitality and uh, international trade. And I remember when I was in college here, I, I, uh, at some point, at one point, I was trying to memorize this whole list of uh, vocabulary that are used in international trade, like customs or load. Like, there's all those uh, terminologies. I was trying to memorize all those terms, which I think I probably only it only stayed in my memory maybe for a few days. And but whereas uh, when I started to work in that field. It only took me a few days to be able to learn all the terminologies that I needed to know. That's because, you know, I already had the general fluency uh, of the language and there was only specific vocabulary that I needed to pick up, which was relatively easy at the work context. Um, plus, the, of course, the motivation level was much higher because I needed to learn as fast as possible. So going back to this topic, I think it's really not necessary for the students to memorize any vocabulary list for the field of study. So the next type of program that we're going to talk about are called international programs. You may have heard about these, but uh, possibly most of you haven't because um, these programs are relatively new, uh, a relatively newer phenomenon in China. And by new, I mean in the recent 10 to 15 years. So basically, these programs are joint venture education collaborations between a local Chinese college or university and a foreign counterpart. Uh, these international collaborations sprung up in China in the early 2000s when there were far from enough higher level education placements for the many high school graduates. Um, so I suppose it was uh, one of the ways that the government was encouraging uh, uh, multiple parties to try to create um, education opportunities for uh, a wider audience. Uh, also, it was a time when China was still in the height 
of promoting the open door economic policy. So、um, they encouraged a lot of foreign parties to join、uh, the economic events. So、um, the courses that these international programs provide. Are usually a mishmash of the Chinese school's curriculum and the foreign counterparts' curriculum.、Um, often,、uh, many courses or modules required by these programs are supposed to be conducted in English.、Um, but because most students' English levels are far from being able to sit in a lecture. On a given discipline,、um, to be able to understand the course content in English completely,、um, so therefore there is a overwhelming need for these students to improve their English very quickly、uh, within a relatively short period of time, and to a pretty high level, as you can see. That's why your job in this.、Um, Sector was created. So, in terms of what you'll be expected to teach in this scenario,、um, again, it varies. But、uh, since I have、uh, quite a bit of a personal experience with、uh, international programs,、um, I know that、uh, some programs offer integrated English language courses. Which helps students develop their English language ability for both general purposes and academic purposes, and this I think makes the most sense.、Um, meanwhile,、uh, there are also institutions that offer English classes that are more exam focused, like IELTS or TOEFL prep courses. This type of course design, I think, is、um, a little bit of debatable because、uh, while exam prep courses are important、uh, in terms of helping students to achieve a better score,、um, they, what most of students do need uh, are uh, skills to actually、uh, that they can use in their daily study.、Um, So,、uh, the for those students who、uh, are not able to follow a content course in English, and that's a big concern.、Um, therefore,、uh, it doesn't really matter how what kind of score they can get in IELTS or TOEFL、uh, from these prep courses. They. The most important concern is a practical one in this case, and so within these international programs,、uh, a lot of students—I would say more than half of them—their English level is not that high yet.、Um, so they do need to work on their basic language skills, and、um, it could be for.、Uh, A few months,、uh, or it could be a couple years for some. So,、uh, however,、uh, another note about the international program is that most of them have、um, better resources because they charge a higher tuition fee, and therefore they sometimes have a management staff from the foreign partner. 
This means that you may be able to get more support in your teaching activities on a daily basis. However, this is not always the case. It depends on the how the program is run uh, and what what uh, colleges and universities are involved um, and how important they consider this. So if you happen to come across a possible job opportunity with this type of school or program, you can always ask them these specifics beforehand so that you know um, what course materials will be, you will be asked to teach and what sort of students you will be dealing with and what kind of support you can get. And if these are important to you, then uh, you can find out uh, before you, you actually sign a contract. So the, the next uh, type of teaching task that you may be given are <laughs> called English Corners, to, to conduct uh, English Corner activity. Um, again, this could be a regular event, like a weekly event, or it could be a monthly event, uh, depending on the school. But anyway, so in case you, you're not familiar with, uh, this term, English Corner, originated in the 90s uh, in China when um, studying English was a, a kind of a fervor and uh, there were a lot of outdoor English Corners and it was, they were open for participation, anyone could join. Typically, they were held in, in some campuses uh, uh, and I think a lot of a lot of these people, including me, I think I benefited a lot from attending this type of um, activities, because other than that, I, I we didn't really have much of a other chance to practice our speaking. So, um, so August, do you find that uh, the schools that you've worked at, uh, the school management also? Um, still use this um, format for, for students to practice their speaking? Uh, yes, I think that they're, it's still used and um, to varying degrees of success. Um, it's something that, as you mentioned, may have been um, more popular mm. 20 years ago when there wasn't uh, so many other options as far mm -hmm. as technology and mm -hmm. the internet and so on to uh, both serve as other ways in which students could practice and to be distractions from uh, the motivation to practice. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that I can understand why they're still used, uh, just basically almost view that as a a supplemental um, mm. elective type mm. drop-in spoken English class mm. and uh, I think um, as long as someone uh, or some, some students uh, are coming to it it uh, must be serving some value to them so I think it uh, has at least that much use yeah but the 
the participation rate and enthusiasm level <laughs> seem to be much lower than uh, than what I uh, was experiencing, you know, a couple of decades ago, and I think, but that this maybe can kind of frustrate the school management a little bit. But I I think maybe what they should understand is that even though this benefited them when they were students, there have been so many changes in, in, in terms of technology and just general motivation level of college students and other you know, generational changes and all that, that this, if, there, if the school management want to bring in the same type of uh, practice into today's campus, I think it's not necessarily the best, or not the best, but not the most effective approach, right? So um, perhaps do you think if, um, if somebody <laughs> is willing to put in the time or, or effort to kind of um, to come up with the, some some variation of this type of activity, if they integrate some technology, uh, like mobile app type of thing, do you think that would help with the students' enthusiasm level in participating? Yeah, it, it might. I mean, it remains to be seen until someone actually puts something together that mm. seems like it uh, catches on and is popular, but... I mean, as with most other things, it seems like that's the direction that the world is headed in and everybody's using technology and um, their phones and uh, so much more. So I, I would think that there would be a way to, to implement that, to uh, encourage uh, participation in some sort of uh, English-speaking Get together or um, activity uh, mm. that would uh, be more appealing j- than just having everyone physically get together and uh, talk. Yeah, and talk. Yeah, speaking of this, I'm I'm wondering. Of course, you know this will require a lot of logistics, uh, but if if the this type of event are held with the help of some objects, like real life objects that may help the students, may help draw their uh, attention and, and enthusiasm. Let's say, for instance, this week is about cooking a particular meal. And the next week is about making a simple robot. Uh, then the, the, the next week will be um, designing a very simple mobile app or something like that that you know that involves students going that they can look at something and work work on something with their own hands <laughs> i think if we engage more senses maybe that would be more helpful do you think yeah i think it could be and i think something like that uh really depends on uh, first of all how much uh, additional effort mm. you as the English teacher are willing to put in when a lot of times <laughs> right. this is an additional activity right. which may 
fall under the gray area mm-hmm. in your contract of it's not actually teaching. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, in the typically vague language in um, a lot of the contracts, other it might fall under the umbrella of just any other activity that the school asks you to do. So, uh, a lot of times you may be doing it um, almost considering it as a, uh, a favor to the school or to the mm-hmm. students. So uh, if you're, you have the time and mm-hmm. the, the resources to put all that extra effort into it, mm-hmm. um, of course, that would be great. Uh, and uh, better yet, if the, the, the college or university or school involved mm-hmm. would help uh, provide some of those resources uh, to the teacher, then I think if it's a combination, yeah. uh, combined effort of uh, a little additional work for the, the teacher and uh, a little bit uh, on the side of the, uh, the college, then I think it might um, be um, something worth trying. Right. So this definitely... It depends on how much resources <laughs> the schools wants to put into to this. But anyway, if the, if your employer does ask you to to give any suggestions in terms of how to improve student participation, this is what you could suggest. You know, whether or not they want to spend the money and and other resources on that, it's up to them. But this is something that you could uh, uh, provide as a, a piece of suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it ever hurts to right. suggest things. Mm. But as far as just conducting an English corner, um, I, I think uh, if nothing else, just coming up with some questions about a specific topic. I mean, there's plenty of lists on the internet mm. of uh, a specific topic, and a dozen or several dozen questions related to that. You mm. know, the more open ended, the better. Generally, mm. uh, so. I, I mean, in a perfect world, yes, if, um, if you're willing to put in a lot of time, maybe even spend some of your own money, mm. uh, or if the school is uh, uh, willing to do some of that, you, I think uh, other activities, uh, the, the, the sky's the limit as far as what you probably could do. Mm. Um, uh, but I think realistically, other than suggestions, um, just having some topics uh, and, uh, you know, Varying them, uh, having something that uh, if one week it isn't an interesting topic for a, a certain uh, subset of students, the, the next week it might be more interesting. And if they're at least somewhat motivated and have enough proficiency that they can hold a conversation, I, I think that should be enough mm. to uh, keep them engaged for the length of um, 45 minutes to an hour and a half or however long mm. that uh, the, the English corner generally uh, uh, would end up being. Mm. All right, so the, the next uh, um, question that I uh, wanted to uh, briefly discuss is how much support uh, is international teachers can expect from the school management? Um, do you find that uh, 
you could expect much support uh, from the school in, in your teaching at all? Oh, uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> uh, uh, except in some rather rare situations where a program has been set up with a lot of uh, structure and um, there's a, uh, a perhaps some infrastructure and some other administrative um, people at the at the school who can uh, help provide you with uh, um, training or ideas, uh, which I, I think is, as I said, rare. Basically, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, you're you're there, um, and basically, the only support you get is if uh, there's some sort of disaster where some students don't won't listen, and um, the the someone from the administration needs to come in and make sure that uh, everything's in order. Otherwise, it's basically up to you. And the, the downside of that is obviously if you uh, really go and get into the teaching English in China without any background knowledge or education, mm. it could be an extremely frustrating mm. uh, experience to say the least. The advantage is that it does give you the freedom to um, to try out different things mm -hmm. as far as uh, uh, if you want to change what you want to teach and uh, you're not giving any support, it's most likely the you're not going to be um, required to adhere to a strict curriculum because you're not given a curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, and there are definite advantages as well, but you have to at least uh, not uh, become easily uh, frustrated by uh, mm. a lot of things that can happen and, and realizing that you basically have no one to go to that is going to give you a satisfactory answer about what you should do about a lot of things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hope years down the line this could change. I think it will as education, the market of education becomes more competitive in China. I think a lot of schools will have to reinvent themselves and, and part of it would be to how to better, you know, equip their teachers, be it their local teachers or foreign teachers with uh, more skills and knowledge to be able to do the job better. So I think by then, uh, schools will be able to probably provide more support. But as it stands now, not much. So for, for those teachers um, who are just, uh, who have just come here and very new to everything and, and for those, especially those who typically don't like to, uh, or not very comfortable with um, drawing, uh, let's say drawing up a, co a, a curriculum or, or syllabus or, or uh, 
classroom activities all by themselves. Um, besides using a set of good textbooks, as we just recommended, where else would you suggest that they go for some professional suggestions and advice in terms of how to do their job? Well, uh, and this hasn't been the experience for me, but I would think the best thing to do is to work in an environment where there are other people mm. whom you can ask, uh, who have presumably been doing this a lot longer than you have, mm. and just uh, pool their ideas and mm. you know, best practices and see what works and mm. what doesn't seem to work. And um, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. And of mm. course you can get material uh, books on uh, second language acquisition and education and read those. Mm. But the theoretical knowledge is extremely helpful, mm. but some of it is far removed from the particulars of the situation you're going to be dealing with mm. and you can't really interact with uh the books with the, with the books or just <laughs> uh maybe you can a little bit on some uh forum uh forums for english language teaching and all that but mm. I, I think there's would probably be nothing better than having people who are teaching at the same school as mm. you, who are so, teaching the same students as right. you, dealing with the exact same right. issues, except or maybe they dealt with the exact same mm. issues last year, five years ago, ten years ago, mm. and they can help you uh, uh, not make the same mistakes they made, basically. Mm. Yeah, that that's a great suggestion, I think. So for those uh, teachers who uh think that this might be a problem for themselves or difficulties for themselves the best thing to do is to ask the employer whether or not they have other foreign teachers uh, or how many they have um, before you sign a contract you know if this is something that's really important to you yeah and that would also be a way to um to get an impression of the school mm. um, before actually signing the contract mm -hmm. by asking that foreign teacher about their working situation. Mm. All right, great. So, um, so with regards to the, these topics that we just covered today, um, in terms of uh, you know the content that you'll be asked to teach, uh, course materials or support, and on these topics, uh, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you would like to share? Oh no, not really. All right. Okay. Thanks for coming on today for the discussion, and uh, uh, I hope uh, it's been helpful for for you guys out there that are listening to this episode and. Um, if you ever have any questions, you can leave me a message on my anchor.fm page and I look forward to talking to you next time.